Walters is back open to full capacity with bar service and their ever-so-popular self-pour beer wool. Think you've got what it takes to pour a perfect pint? Walters is the place to give it a shot from micro to macro and lunch to brunch. Walters is the place to be in Navy Yard. Reservations now open for the entire Nats homestand over at opentable.com. Walters is a great option this Memorial Day weekend, whether you're going to a game or just want to hang out and watch the NBA playoffs with friends. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Here's the set, the 0-2 pitch. Swing a shot to right, base hit if they don't get him at first. Up throwing is Castellanos and Ross is safe at first. The throw gets by and goes into the dugout. So it'll be an RBI single scoring Harrison. Ross picks up the RBI, his second of the year, and the Nationals lead 3-0. Tyler Stevenson will lead off. Right-handed batter. Pitch hit on the ground, and Ross makes a no-look backhanded snare of it and underhands to Bell at first for the out. Oh, my, what a play, Joe Ross. <laughs> Look what I found. And here we are at Nationals Park under bright, sunny skies. A gorgeous afternoon for baseball and the resumption of last night's suspended game. And now the pitch, swing the ground ball to third. Castro juggles, has time, throws to second to Harrison, and a curly W's in the books. Brad Hand records the save as the Nationals even the series with the Reds in the completion of the suspended game. Resumed in the bottom of the fourth with the Nationals up 3-0. A curly W's in the books, the final score. The Washington Nationals 5 and the Cincinnati Reds 3. And welcome to Nats Chat, part one for Friday, May 28, 2021, along with Nationals insider Mark Zuckerman of MassInSports.com. I'm Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi podcast. This is a special day in terms of the Nats Chat podcast. Two episodes, one day. The loss on Thursday we'll get to in the next episode. This episode, though, all about the 5-3 win, the lone win for the Nationals in their three-game series against the Cincinnati Reds at Nationals Park. 5-3 the final over the Reds in a rain-suspended game that began on Wednesday night, was concluded on Thursday afternoon. Mark, this is kind of like one of those sitcoms back in the day where it's a very special episode and it's to be continued at the end. So this will be part one. We'll see if we can make it ultra special, like, you know, an extended episode of Family Ties from years ago. I was thinking of different strokes, maybe, because the two games were kind of different from each other. There's good news and there's bad news, everybody. So we're going to start with the good news one. Get everybody feeling good about themselves with this first episode. And then you can torture yourself by listening to the next one about the loss in which they once again did absolutely nothing at the plate. But positives in the first one. They hit the ball. They pitched well. They won the game. Everything worked out great. 
we're going to pretend that the other one hadn't even happened yet. How about that? You know, if only Dontrell Willis was still pitching, we could say what you're talking about, Willis, and Ooh. channel our inner different strokes, but we can't do that, unfortunately. But yeah, that was actually a pretty good performance, especially when you sort of combine everything from Wednesday night and Thursday afternoon in game two of the series. And Joe Ross, who we've been all over, right? Got to pitch better. Rotation spot, maybe possibly on the line. I mean, he only ends up pitching four innings because the game got suspended on Wednesday night, but four scoreless innings, four strikeouts, had a two-out RBI single on an 0-2 pitch in the bottom of the third inning. He's actually batting 286 on the season, albeit over 15 plate appearances. Nice to see Ross do as he did in game two of the series. And like we said, going into it, this was an important one for him because I think even if he wasn't necessarily pitching for his job, he needed to make at least a more positive impression than he had recently, knowing that Eric Fetty is close to returning and they've got this decision ultimately to make about who's going to be the final member of their rotation. So kind of like Fetty out in Arizona, different story because it's only four innings, but he certainly did everything in his power to try to prove his case that he deserves to stay in there with four scoreless. It is a shame because it would have been nice to see what he could have done if that game continued. He was only at 55 pitches. So, I mean, I think six innings easily was within reach for him. They held a lead. Maybe they could have pushed him farther. We'll never know. But, you know, if nothing else, he left a good taste in everyone's mouths and bought himself some time probably until that decision is made and should get at least one more start before they have to decide what they're going to do. So then comes the conclusion of the game on Thursday afternoon, and the Nats end up using five relievers to close this thing out. Austin Voth, Kyle Finnegan, Tanner Rainey, Daniel Hudson, and Brad Hand. Voth got things going. Obviously, he has a history of starting games. He's acted as a long man so far this year. Only ended up going, though, for the two innings, albeit two scoreless innings. What do you think realistically was the hope from Davey with Voth to try to close out this game on Thursday afternoon. Do you think he's, he thought maybe, what, three, four innings from both? Was that maybe the thinking? I think he was thinking three innings tops, and that was the best-case scenario. And the first inning, there was the pitch count was a little too high. I think he threw 23 pitches. He only faced four batters, but he threw 23 pitches. There were some long at-bats there, and that kind of sealed his fate there where you knew he wasn't going to get to reach a third inning. But there was also going to be the question of when his spot in the lineup came up. Would you let him hit? Now, they're ahead 3 nothing, so you could say, hey, just let the pitcher hit in the bottom of the six. But they decided to go ahead and pull him because the pitch count was where it was. So I think when he drew it up in the morning and said, okay, how? what's the best case scenario for how this works out? Give me three from both. That gets you through the seventh. And then hopefully they've tacked on some runs, have a bigger lead, and he doesn't have to use his big names at the back of the bullpen and maybe have them to follow Strasburg in the nightcap. Well, we'll get to this. It's set up exactly how he wanted, and he still had to use his best relievers in the end, which at the time I thought was a problem. But then given what happened in the nightcap, it didn't really make a difference because they were trailing and they never would have gone to them anyway. So these doubleheaders are tricky from a manager standpoint. You want to do everything you can to try to win the first game, but you also need to know you need to save some guys up for the nightcap. You never know how it's going to play out exactly. And in the end, Davey did everything he needed to do to win game one. And I guess that was a good thing because they didn't really have a chance to win game two. Yeah, I don't blame Davey for doing that. It is a little bit of an issue slash a nuisance where every time you want to try to avoid certain guys, you you end up having to use those guys, it feels like, with the Nationals. Like, the fact that the Nats had to use Daniel Hudson and Brad Hand in every game against the Orioles last weekend. I mean, it was a three-game sweep, which is good for the Nats, but you shouldn't have to use Hudson and Hand in every game against the O's, but yet the Nats ended up doing that. Like, in this game... The completion of it on Thursday afternoon, you shouldn't have had to use five relievers. I mean, it's a little ridiculous. The Nats had to do that 
they did do that. And the reason was Tanner Rainey. So both gave the Nats two scoreless innings. Kyle Finnegan gave the Nats a scoreless seventh inning. And then Tanner Rainey, major problems in the top of the eighth. Now, it wasn't just Rainey's fault. Hudson actually faltered. But for Rainey, he ends up being charged with three runs. He does not record a single out. Uh, He's making his return off having been on the COVID-19 injured list since May 19th. He was, remember, a close contact of Eric Fetty, who tested positive for COVID-19. Fetty is still out. He's going to end up missing well over a week because of this, even though he got vaccinated. The dark cloud continues to hover above Eric Fetty. But anyway, Tanner Rainey, three consecutive singles, including a first pitch RBI single to Nick Castellanos. I mean, it's not like he was giving up balls all over the place. He was throwing pretty good from a velocity standpoint, too. But it wasn't a good outing for Rainey. Tanner Rainey now has an ERA of 949 on the season. For all the chat we've had about, oh, you look good here, you look good there, maybe he's coming on. The guy's got an ERA of 949, a whip of 219. The ERA should be 219, not the whip. That was a rough outing for Tanner Rainey. It wasn't good. If you want to say what was the positive, I suppose you could say that his velocity was up. It was 96 to 98. His first pitch was 98. And Davey actually said afterwards that he didn't like that because he thought it meant that he was too amped up. And what it did lead to, his command was all over the place. If you look at his pitch map of where he threw everything in that inning, I tweeted the screen cap of it. It is all over the place. No consistency to it at all. And so if he's not locating a fastball, who cares if he's throwing it 98? <laughs> he's either throwing it outside of the zone or he's grooving it down the middle and big league hitters can take care of it. And so For all of those reasons, I didn't love the decision to put him in to begin the inning. Now, you're up 5-0 in the eighth inning. That should be a safe place to put a guy. But it's his first appearance off the COVID IL. It's not like he was real sharp leading into it. And it just felt to me like having Tanner Rainey start the eighth pretty much guaranteed that Daniel Hudson was going to at least have to warm up at some point, if not come into that game. It's exactly what happened. He came in three batters later. So I think feel like I almost would have rather hurt. You know who we didn't see in the doubleheader? It's our boy, Paolo Espino. I know. Five-run lead, maybe put him out there in the eighth and see if he can get through it, and then maybe put him back out there in the ninth and, and close out a game without having to use your best relievers. And by using Rainey, who immediately got in trouble, that then forced the issue where now you have to use Hudson and Hand in the first game of doubleheader. Now, again, it didn't matter in the end because they weren't needed in the nightcap, but you don't know that at the time. Any chance to me you can get to win a game and not have to use your best relievers, you got to take advantage of that. And they didn't do that in this one. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Hey everyone, Al Galdi here to tell you about FanDuel. So we've all had that dream, right? Tie game, bottom of the ninth, bases loaded. Well, on FanDuel Sportsbook, you get more than one shot to swing for the fences because FanDuel is letting you place your first bet risk-free. That's right, new users Get up to $1,000 back in site credit if your first bet doesn't win, and it only gets better from there. Once you have an account, you'll have access to same-game parlay insurance all season long. That's up to $25 back in site credit each day if your same-game parlay bet falls one leg short. This way, you can combine multiple baseball bets for an even bigger win. Games on Friday night include the Atlanta Braves at the New York Mets at 7-10. Ian Anderson is starting for the Braves. He's been good lately. Braves look like the play. There's a reason that FanDuel Sportsbook is America's number one sportsbook. The app is simple to use. They've got great odds on all different betting markets, unique fun bet types like same-game parlay and always-on promotions to let you get more action out of every game day. And when you win, FanDuel will pay you your winnings in as little as 24 hours. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up with promo code CHAT to get in on the action. That's FanDuel Sportsbook, promo code CHAT. 21 plus and present in Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, or West Virginia. First on my real money wager, only for risk-free bet. Refund issued as is non-withdrawable site. Credit that expires in seven days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanal.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Virginia. Tennessee, 1-800-889-9789, or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. Are you interested in buying or selling your home? Support for Nats Chat comes from Rachel Levy of Compass Real Estate. By focusing on the personal parts of the real estate process and using technology to simplify the rest, Rachel seamlessly guides her clients through their experience. Rachel uses her deep local knowledge and exceptional customer service to advocate for her clients all across D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. To learn more, follow her on Instagram at Real Estate Rachel. Hey everyone, Tim Shovers here to tell you again about Sunday Scaries CBD gummies. Sunday Scaries is here to hook up our listeners for your first order. Go to sundayscaries.com and type in NatsChat. That's one word in the promo code to get 25% off your first order. Again, it's sundayscaries.com. When you enter the promo code at checkout, type in NatsChat to receive 25% off your first order. They have plenty of options, including oils, bath bombs, and gummies. I've been using the gummies. It helps me sleep as I sign up for the night at rather unusual hours. Right now, I'm taking the vegan AF gummies. It's actually the only vegan thing I consume. And Sunday Scaries appeals to a wide range of people, including young professionals, moms, college students, entrepreneurs, and more. To recap, sundayscaries.com, promo code NATSCHAT to save 25% off your first order. And the pitch, swing and a foul tip held by Avila, strike three. Ran the fastball in on him at 98 miles an hour. So two strikeouts for Hudson. I think, though, 5 nothing. I mean, geez. I mean, you're almost in mop-up territory there. You know, you're not quite there, but you're not far from there. Rainey should be able to handle that. Uh, it just, he couldn't get anybody out. And then with Hudson, look, Hudson's had a great year. So, you know, I don't want to sit here and start ripping the guy. But this is why you do have to be careful when you just look at relievers' ERAs because Daniel Hudson technically gets credit for a scoreless inning in this game. He got credit for a hold in this game. He did not hold uh, anything in this game. He allowed two inherited runners to score, gave up two singles, gave up an RBI sack fly, did record a couple of strikeouts, but it can be a little misleading sometimes, these reliever statistics. So got to be careful with that. Again, though, Hudson's had a very good year, so I don't want to see her and bash him. And then maybe the most significant thing out of all this was Brad Hand. 
whose struggles hopefully are a thing of the past, but you know, it wasn't perfect in the ninth inning, but certainly it was good enough. Scoreless ninth. Nice to see Brad Hand have himself a good outing. He is removing himself from that stretch that we talked about so much there for a while and had everybody worried. Again, he hasn't been perfect, but the command is way better. Not what we saw in that that weekend in New York against the Yankees. Fastball is there. He's getting out. I mean, the one get a hip, it was an infield single. So look, I, in the bigger picture, I think everything is just fine with him. He's now eight for 10 in safe situations. That little blip there for about a week, but before that, he was really good. Since then, he's been really good. I think in the big picture, everything's fine there with him. And ultimately, that's a really potent eighth and ninth inning combo that they've got going with those two. Now they just need to consistently find someone to set them up, whether it's Kyle Finnegan, Austin Voth. Uh, we know Will Harris is on the IL now. Rainey has been all over the place. So I, they still need somebody else to kind of establish himself. Uh, maybe Suero, who's been very good. But you do that, and ultimately, once they're in positions to win close games, I think they're in pretty good shape for that. I, I don't think that's really this team's number one issue right now, not by a lot. Ended up being an interesting game offensively for the Nationals. They finished with nine hits and six walks, went 5-12 with runners in scoring position. You like all that. But I got a kick out of how the Nats actually scored their five runs in the game because this kind of captures so much of what we've talked about so far this season with the Nationals offense. The Nats scored their five runs on four singles and a walk. And that's kind of how the Nats do it in 2021 now, isn't it? Nickel and dime you, paper cut you to death. If you're going to score five runs, it's not going to be via a three-run homer and a two-run homer. It's not going to be via, you know, three big-time doubles in the clutch. It's going to be via four singles and a walk. The Nats must piecemeal you in order to score runs this season. It is, unfortunately, the way it's going. Although, you know, let's give some credit here to Luis Garcia. His triple got it started in the sixth inning. That was a nice piece of two-strike hitting by the rookie. Or I don't know if he counts as a rookie anymore. He's basically a rookie at age 21. But no, you're right. I mean, it's singles. And hey, at least they were drawing walks. I mean, that's been an issue for them. They're among the worst in the league at that. Now, maybe that proved to be an issue in the nightcap, which we'll get to in the next episode, because they took a lot of pitches in that game that maybe they should not have. But in the bigger picture, yeah, you'd like to see them draw more walks. You know, hey, singles are fine if they come at the right moments. We've said it all along. It's about not what you hit, but when you hit it. They did it in this game and props to them. I, I like that they added on. You know, that's been kind of an issue as well this year. They came back after the suspended game. They come back out up 3 nothing, and they tacked on two runs in that sixth inning, provided some cushion, and that allowed everything to work out all right, despite Rainey uh, struggling. So, yeah, good performance in the first game. Like I said, we'll, we'll forget the fact the second game even happened as far as this episode's concerned. Yeah, exactly. You tell us what you think. Hit us up on Twitter at Nats underscore chat. You can email the podcast to NatsChatPodcast at gmail.com. So here's the part in the sitcom at the end of part one where it says to be continued dot dot dot. And so now we are to be continued and join us for our next installment of the Nats Chat Podcast. Now the 2-2, swing a line drive over the head of the first baseman Stevenson and a fair ball down the line headed to the corner for extra bases. Over to chase it is Castellanos. Garcia's racing around second, heading for third. He's going to be in there with a head first dive and a triple. Luis Garcia with his first major league triple. And it's a pinch hit triple here in the bottom of the sixth inning. 